<laughs> oh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another Beyond the Bulletin. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host Stephen the Man Lenahan. The Man Lenahan. Oh, he is so precious. And we are continuing our month of sacred music, hip hop, and dope jam, freeform jazz. With our buddy here, uh, the old, uh, old Josh Blakely. How you doing, Josh? Blakely. How are you, Gore? I don't know. My, my voice just kept going up, and I was like, just go with it, Gormley. Keep going. We're going to shatter some glass today. That was a lot of music selections. You just, so, so, uh, freeform jazz. What, can you name all those again? What? No, I can't. I just oh. made stuff up. and As you went. Thanks to television commercials, I can't remember the last 30 seconds. I'm pretty sure I've been to masses where it, all of those forms were probably used in the same mass. So, well, but <laughs> not, right, here, not here, not here, not <laughs> here. You know. Coming up next, we got Eric Clapton's "Wonderful Tonight" for our first communion or for our communion <laughs> song. True story. I had a friend every single mass. They would play the instrumental of "Wonderful Tonight" for Holy oh, Communion. No. My high school, they uh, like in our chapel <laughs> for masses and stuff. They had like a CD player. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. I'm not going to throw people under the bus that may or may not have educated me at some point in my life. Go uh, on. Because I don't know if I'm name, them on Facebook names, or not. Name, name. No, they're good names. people. They're good people. But occasionally, like, a U2 song would make it in there during <laughs> liturgy. And Straight you're like, I don't know that this feels right. <laughs> this doesn't feel right. Oh, not man. divinely inspired. But, you know, mm. oh, man. it is what it is. It's hard to even comment because I'm such a huge U2 fan. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I am but too. Then, yeah. Early U2. Not this late stuff, right? <laughs> right. right. You don't like U2 now, do you? What? I, I can't not like you. I, I mean, generally, oh, gosh, like it's very they're... easy if you've ever heard any of their news. Oh, Sunday Bloody man. Sunday is not generally what you want to be walking up to in communion. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not a liturgical song. Well, no, no, but they it's didn't Sunday. They they're didn't talking that. about Sunday. It's got to be liturgical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, liturgical abuse. That's yeah. for another podcast. Though. So, Josh, we got two things. Okay, one thing I just want we we just give a little spiel. Me and you just did an event. You want to tell the fine folks oh, about the okay, event? Oh, okay, cool. Just uh, cut me out of the I'm conversation. I'm trying to exclude you, no, but the second cool. thing, Josh, is... <laughs> go ahead. The before, before... I know, we, I know. It's okay. I, was a, I used to run these events, so go on. It's fine. It's fine. No you big deal. No big deal. But, Josh, I'm going to ask you one thing. <laughs> uh, you better talk into that microphone, or I will literally jump over this, and I will <laughs> I choke you with my microphone cord. I remember. We came close last week, so I'm going <laughs> to I have the facial tics. get in here real good. There you go. It's it was threatening. Yeah. No, so we did uh, the Steubenville, Florida conference. Yes. Last weekend, this past weekend. Uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, it went really well. The, the conference itself was really well done. I think they did a great job in terms of, yep. like, keeping everybody as socially distant as they could, everybody wearing masks. That also made it kind of awkward there. Uh, for, oh, man. So many awkward moments when you're wearing a mask. And you're on stage. So whenever you were on stage alone, you didn't have to wear the mask. But the moment you had other people, and I was just a speaker, and you were the musician. So whenever we were up there with the other speakers, we had to wear a mask. And every time I would talk, I would just fog up my glasses so much I couldn't see anything. So I was like, well, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fade a little to the back, or I, or I would step like three feet forward, and they're already out to the sides. And I'd be like, ugh. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen, and then I pull it back up. It was just so frustrating, but yeah, it yeah. went it went really well. It was great. It was it, in the end, it was all great. Very needed, I think. So yeah. many, just overwhelming gratitude, I think, from from everybody, including myself. Like I just just grateful to be praying with people as the body of Christ, playing music with a group of people. I mean, I don't know. It was just good. It was, cool. it was good. We had 300 people that were live in the place, and then they live streamed it to over 10,000 people that subscribed. So that was oh, pretty wow. cool. Yeah, over 10,000. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
because a lot of youth groups signed up and would watch it together, together. in their youth rooms okay. or whatever. So it was pretty powerful. Yeah. It was pretty powerful. So I like that a lot. Stephen, what did you do last weekend while we were in Florida? I went to an ordination uh, for a good friend of mine from college mm-hmm. who also went to Franciscan University. Who was it? Uh, he's now Father Dave Brocky. Um, he was, he's, he's a little after your time. He's my time. Um, oh, cause I'm older than you. Joking. Yeah, it was. Did you see that? <laughs> uh, no, he's a great guy. He actually joined, uh, the salt community. That's, oh, uh, servants of our lady of the Trinity. Love society. Them. Of, society of the servants of our lady of the Trinity. Top us. I was, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you just let me tell the story? I'm going to stop talking for, for no, a few minutes. Kidding. Uh, yeah. Anyways, they're based out of, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. That's where they started, and that's where the ordination was with uh, Bishop Mulvey down there. Yeah, and uh, and was, it's also the place where you send out cryptic text messages that me and Josh simultaneously read incorrectly. Yeah, express righteous outrage, and then you correct us. I know. I was like, no, this is actually a really great quote from <laughs> the, the bishop. Poison of evangelization. Yeah. Why is it poison? Yeah. Stupid okay. Bishop. Well, now now I have to explain <laughs> the quote. I, I have to explain so the quote. Fun. Because Just read the quote as is. I and am, then, and I'm going to read it with the correct yes, intended please. inflection. Yeah. Um, so this was during the <laughs> homily at the ordination uh, for my good friend, Father Dave Brocky. Um, and the bishop was basically kind of, the homily was beautiful, and he was kind of talking specifically to, to Father Dave and, and his family who were present um, about how God had really kind of ordained this moment in time for him to be ordained a priest. Very cool. You know, um, like and, and to those of us who know Father Dave, it's so true. Like, he's so humble. He's always uh, such a missionary at heart and, and such a servant. And at the same time, like, I know so many people that wanted to be there uh, to celebrate this ordination from around the country, and they couldn't be there because of COVID and just so many things had changed. Yeah. Um, and so – the bishop's homily to Father Dave was awesome. But he had this one particular quote that I texted the guys while y'all were in Florida, and they completely misconstrued the point of it. 100% misconstrued. So this is the quote. 100%. Woe, and this is in the context of the entire homily. Woe to us, the church is being pulled a million different directions because of people's tastes, and this is the poison of evangelization. So the poison of evangelization <laughs> was the fact that we're allowing the church to be pulled in different direction by people's tastes as opposed to by the truth of the gospel was yeah. his point. You guys took that a totally different direction, and I just could imagine y'all sitting at a table we in the green room. We no, weren't even together. No, I don't believe that yeah, for we a second. We were in two separate – I didn't even no, know where – It I wasn't was. until after you reprimanded us via text – Read it slower, gentlemen or boys. <laughs> I think you said that. Like we met up and like. <laughs> I was in a really holy place. I had just were, come out of an ordination. Were. It was beautiful. I think Ooh. my only response was just like angry emoticons, just like yeah, different forms of just because my thought was the poison of evangelization. Who would refer to evangelization as poison? Yeah, that's the way that I read it. Yeah, so, yeah. I, knew, I after I read it back, I realized how y'all read it, and I was like. Oh no, that's not what the bishop said. You should have capitalized the word that. <laughs> yes. And that the meaning that thing I just yeah. said is the <laughs> Yeah. So, so so his whole point was awesome. like I yeah, really, his, yeah, when you explained it, I mean, awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really great. And so and and he was saying this also in the context of like Father Dave of um, always rely back on the truth of the gospel. Don't don't be pulled by the tastes or the 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 flavor of the time if you will um, in your ministry as as a new priest. So uh, incredible, incredible ordination. Um, I'm That's a little, awesome. I'm a little sad that his order uh, assigned him to an Indian reservation in North Dakota. Oh, so I'll probably never wow. see him again. Uh, just kidding. I'll road trip. Yeah, North Dakota. I don't know, but I'm gonna you pray turn. for him, and I know that he won't be there forever. But uh, there, I think their apostolate is that they go 
to like where there is the most apostolic need. But uh, that's kind of their focus. He he got to know them because he was a missionary with them after college uh, in Belize. They teach in Belize, and yeah. so that was how he. I've got been to their school in Belize. It's really awesome. Yeah, I've I've never been. I've I've always wanted to go. So, anyways, if you ever meet F- Father Dave Brocky, he's just going to be an incredible priest uh, and a great confessor to many people. So awesome. Yeah, pray for Very him cool. and his and get if you meet him this year, make sure you get that priestly blessing in for the first year. It's, nice, it's special. I got one. Hey Josh, nice. what's our uh, what's our topic for today? Well, I just thought we could maybe when talk you a say it bit. into your microphone, I, <laughs> <laughs> Comer. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, prayer through music uh, because we've been pretty cerebral, I think, for the la- these and this being the final of this little trinity of episodes here that we're doing. I, th- I thought it would be nice for us to talk about how music uh, can not only lead us to deeper prayer but can be a prayer itself. Um, and I, I say a lot um, I, that that when we sing, we pray twice. That whole idea, I, and I, people give Saint Augustine credit for that. I'm not sure that was Saint Augustine, but it, are you sure? In the Psalms, yeah. Okay, his commentary on the Psalms. Oh, I just thought is, that was someone who made Steubenville T-shirts. <laughs> singing, <laughs> singing is praying twice. Once with the electric guitar, the other one with a sick bass riff. No, it's singing is praying twice. Once with the uh, melody, once with the lyric. Hmm. And I love that. It's a popular quote, obviously, yeah. but but it's um, but I love uh, I love the idea of you know obviously the lyric is is a prayer. It's written and you can see it in text. But uh, but the melody rising like an, an incense of sorts before God is a beautiful image. I, yeah, I, that's cool. I just love that. And so we really we've talked a lot about documents and we talked a lot about musical style, but we haven't really dived into like what it means to pray uh, through song and even in the course of liturgy how. We're supposed to do that. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of times we go to Mass, um, and I still do this, even as I'm playing the songs, uh, sometimes, here's a great example, in the midst of, like, when there was nobody in the church, it was me and Jay and a priest, and and I was doing Mass after Mass after Mass, and, and I got in, you know, to third or fourth Mass on the same day, and I was just like, I, I was, it was, it was rote for me, I was just playing and singing I didn't even know what I was singing anymore or playing. You know, it was just like doing it. You're just and like, Lord, prepare <laughs> me, gosh, whatever, to be a sanctuary. Oh. But that's the danger, though. Yeah. Like, you get into this thing where you're just like, I, I don't even know what Especially when you're doing every Mass during COVID. Uh, right. Every Mass like, alone. <laughs> right. And you you just zone out. And yeah. at, at one point, I even missed a song. At one point, I was like, well... Good thing the mask will go on without me. <laughs> I, Good day, folks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, I, it's, it's important to pray those songs, I think. And a lot of times as Catholics, we go into, we go into mass thinking, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing my duty here as Catholic. I'm going, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to be here for an hour. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to pray some prayers, and I'm going to be out of here. Uh, but when we, when we really enter in fully, um, uh, We'll stick to this, the music. I mean, when we enter in fully to the mass, obviously, is one thing. But even into those songs, specifically from gathering to sending, from, from the very first entrance song to the closing hymn, like, God can move. God's grace is present in, in that time, um, in the lyric, and in the music itself. Mm-hmm. So it's how, do you, how do you, as a musician... Maybe let's say outside of liturgy, outside of you doing a gig, how do you incorporate music into your prayer life, your personal prayer life? Um, that's a good question because I, I, I imagine a lot of glad tambourines. 
<laughs> there's not a whole lot of glad tambourine. There's a lot of tambourines. And it's, <laughs> they're when sad tambourines. They're, <laughs> they're, ang- they're more like angry tambourines. <laughs> after a while, it's just like, oh, this tambourine. Um, I get it. But I've so, all been there, right, Stephen? <laughs> nope, sure haven't. Go on. But uh, I so I do. I like to pray using music. Like like even when I'm not playing it, uh, sometimes I'll I'll put on Christian music specifically to pray. Um, and if there's a song that has a repetitive chorus or something, I'll put that on and use that as as prayer. It that has become more difficult for me over the years, just because I've. Because it's a job, I've learned so many of those songs, and I yeah. continue. And I you're have like, to that's l- not a hook, Chris Tomlin. Yeah, <laughs> up your game, <laughs> exactly, Jump. exactly. So this has been sung already, man. So Next. you turn on Hamilton, Skip. yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Got it. No, I, so I really do like sometimes with music, I've I veg out on stuff that's not like I'll I'll go country or I'll go super pop or um, I'll I'll go Tay-tay? super classical. You like Tay Tay, don't you? Who Tay Tay? No. Oh, Tay Tay. Come on. My daughter what? be she's gonna be so conference? mad at me for I hope she sees this. Questioning that. Reach out oh, to her at Taylor Swift thirteen on Twitter. <laughs> fan, are we? Taylor no, fan? no. I mean if I was a fan, Swifty? she'd respond we are to three many of my DMs. Grown men talking about Taylor Swift and I regret nothing. I regret <laughs> nothing <laughs> on. I was about to start talking about Beethoven and somebody. Do you um, use Tay-tay. classical music? Is that yeah, is Beethoven one of your uh <laughs> go to's? <laughs> Beethoven, that's Beethoven. Beethoven. Yeah, Beethoven. <laughs> Hashtag Beethoven. Well, so so he comes up uh, a lot. And so we did, just a few weeks ago, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You, which is Ode oh, to Joy, which is Beethoven. So, um, I like and, the sister act version. And every somebody said, we did that. Uh, <laughs> I was well, we kidding. did this weekend at the Steubenville Conference, and somebody came up to Not me Not in the context of liturgy. Yeah, well, we did Joyful, Joyful in, oh, in the liturgy. Okay. But, but then afterwards, somebody said... Um, I love that song. I'm so glad you did it. It reminds me of Sister Act. And I went, oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Uh, Dang it, whoopee. <laughs> whoopee. Here, here, here's the danger with, with that. Like, it's, it's Beethoven. It doesn't need to be. Uh, so it's, let me preface this by saying I did it differently than Beethoven's arrangement. So I, I slowed it down uh, and, and tried to make it a little bit. Uh, more meaningful so that the lyric so we have time to sing the lyrics and I was using it for preparation so it was a little preparation of the gift so it, was, it needed to be a little bit slower tempo wise uh, I did the chord changes to make it just a little more contemporary feeling uh, so I changed a couple of the chords in, in the course of the song and it feels a little bit different now as I'm saying so that. So you think you're better than Beethoven. Exactly, right? So <laughs> as, as I'm like, Beethoven, we'll, still, we'll call this uh, So on next A. episode, we'll talk about humility. Right. Humility. <laughs> and the next, so, so I like what you danger. did, but I'm improved. Right. That's Pay the attention danger, to the new right? hotlist. So new there's hotlist. A, it becomes this line of like, okay, we've, this is Beethoven. It doesn't need to be improved upon, right? It's Beethoven. Um, but yet we've heard this version of this song thousands and thousands of times and so how do we represent that song in a way that's like singable yeah and and so that you can hear it again so that you're not coming to mass and going oh i've heard this joyful joyful and zoning out you know yeah uh but representing the song in a way that's new and fresh and we can sing it again in a fresh way and it's all of a sudden means something just a little bit different you know uh so that's always my intention like when we, we'll take songs like that like holy holy lord god almighty I have a new version of that. Um, again, a song that doesn't need improvement, and yet, what a cool way to just represent the song so that 
we can sing it a little differently. It means something. A so, what do you say to someone who would hear that though and say, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Josh"? I would say you're absolutely right. It was probably a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. he apologizes. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. It's probably a dumb idea to do. But I mean, you know, because again, it's opinions, you know, and everybody's got subjective. It. Yeah, it's so subjective. Um, and and yet there is room for like. Um, for these songs to be presented in such a way that they're approachable and and I want to be able to sing them so that I can pray to them while yeah. I'm singing. You well, know? And, and the thing is, like, if you go to, like, a World Youth Day, right, like, that's a lot of what's happening at World Youth Day. It's like a lot of the artists are taking hymns and they're just doing what you did. They're taking them and they're fine on their own merit and some of them they play as is and then some of them they represent them in a new way because if you've ever been to a mass with two million people, it's very hard to sing anything uh collectively that everyone can join in on with two million people and so i've I've noticed that even in front of the holy father sometimes people will do that with ancient hymns and there's nothing wrong with it as long as no. it's upholding the the dignity of the song and the original intention i love how you guys keep saying representing as if it's the eucharist representing the sacrifice of christ in an unbloody manner and i just keep saying in my head when you guys are like i'm representing the song and i just keep saying in an unbloody manner in an unbloody manner <laughs> you are a weirdo <laughs> hey listen uh, you are you are uh, you are a theological weirdo i love you but a little weird okay number 1 you're not wrong okay number 2 how dare you <laughs> <laughs> you are offended that's it done Ugh. So what other what other beautiful hymns of the church have you ruined? Used, remixed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys like the Tanta Mergo? Nope. You guys like? <laughs> I have actually redone that one and the Osayataris. Um, because again, we've sung him the same way over and over again. Pig Latin Ode, now. <laughs> Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy was written for a symphony, right? Yeah. And so, oh, like, yeah. when you think we about don't all have the one instruments, of those here. we don't have all of that. And so, how do we how do we present? How do we make this song like? Yeah, you know, we can do this in a way. You, you can still start beautiful. by speaking in the microphone. Oh, you guys, stop it! Hey, they you know. You know, I want to apologize to you. You're doing a lot of hard work. I just have to look in one direction. You're going back and forth. That's See, difficult. And that is the reality. You're like the ping pong ball right now, back and forth. Yeah, and we're the we're the ultimate players. And uh, we we need some an RE20 and an SM7B, <laughs> and we'll be in some mics that come down and hit you. Uh oh, that that sucker's taped. To worry about. It is. It's taped down. It's taped down good. Uh, yeah, so Osayataris, to answer your question, is uh, another one that it's... Um, I've always thought that song, so it's it's used mainly in, in the liturgy of uh, benediction, adoration. So we, so that would be not an entrance song, but the song that you would do after uh, Jesus is present on the altar and the priest is kneeling, you would sing that as kind of a reflection. I've always thought it was interesting when, like, in adoration they use... Uh, sorry, I interrupted you, but, no, like, thanks. when... Uh, the first time I heard someone play... Oh, come let us adore him at the beginning of adoration. I thought that was really interesting. How do you feel about that? Because it's it's obviously more uh, an Advent yeah. Christmas hymn, yeah. but the lyrics actually make sense at the beginning yeah. of adoration. I, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, this we can do sense. this. We can do this in July. <laughs> Christmas I, in July. I do do that. So I do that song, but I do it around Christmas time in that setting. In adoration, yeah, right. So when yeah. you're in adoration. Uh, just because I think people are used to hearing that around Christmas, and so it's kind of. But again, like when you talk about reintroducing a song and trying to make people hear it in a new way, yeah. what a great way to do that! Because yeah. now all of a sudden you're like, oh come on. One of the worst him. experiences when they were doing, Duh. we saw three ships in the middle of adoration. I was so. 
<laughs> we saw three ships come sailing. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be on this podcast. Silent <laughs> conference. <laughs> Holy conference. Can I, can I tell you guys? Oh, I just hit the mic. Can I tell you guys a funny story about Silent Night? Please. This is. I'm sorry. I'm derailing this. This has nothing this to do with fun. liturgy. Um, but my nephew, my godson, who's now in college, um, one time when he was little, when he was probably like four or five, um, my brother uh, was asleep and he had gotten up early and he went down and started playing with my brother's like Xbox or something. And I guess he had like Call of Duty or one of those type of games on there. Awesome. And I guess he didn't realize how my nephew had been like paying attention and had figured out kind of how to play the game. And, uh, and it was around Christmas time. And so he walks in and he, my nephew doesn't hear my brother walk in the living room. And my nephew's like little five-year-old like sitting there playing this game. Headshot, headshot, and just headshot. going, <laughs> silent night. Go, 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 go. Holy night. So my brother was like, oh, my God. We got to get this kid to church and throw the video games away. So now Daddy, anytime, it's fun to kill yeah, people to Christmas yeah. songs. No, no. He's actually a really great kid. Like, Jesus, what I mean, I he's done? in the military now, so that's probably appropriate. But, oh, there you go. Uh, but he's a great kid. And, um, and yeah, so now anytime at Christmas time when I hear silent <laughs> night, <laughs> all I think is, do, 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 do. Like, yeah. yeah. So that's healthy. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so when good. you're so praying personally, you're praying, you're, you still use music. Do you ever use silence? Do you use uh, rosary? What is like your main that's... devotional that you use? Um, I. What's your go to? So we pray nightly um, as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Michael the Archangel is big in our household. Um, Literally, which, he's six ten. He's huge, and uh, we. Uh, you know what's interesting about that is we say Saint Michael the Archangel after Mass here regularly, mm-hmm. um, and it's different. Yeah. Like I literally had to relearn the prayer because it's different than the way that we have typically. Said it, it is different here. I had to relearn it when I came to Saint Anthony's oh. too. Yeah, it's, we don't say it the way that like Cast everyone else says. Thrust, yes, yeah, like yeah, it's something like that. Uh, there's, there's a couple of. I think spots it's they it. say thrust here, and I've always heard cast. cast. In the yeah, yeah, right. yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's a favorite at at night. Um, r- rosary is difficult for me. I'm more of a personal uh, relationship kind of discussion with the Lord kind of thing in Scripture. So th- those are my my two go tos, and then uh, journaling from the Ignatian kind of. Uh, spirituality. I I just like. Um, I hate journaling. I know it's it's difficult and it's a hard. It's actually a hard thing to keep up. Um, yeah. But between those two things, scripture journaling and then just conversations with the Lord, like those are my go to things. And um, and then I use um, uh, music as a as a kind of enhancer to to those things. Um, but that that also has gotten difficult over the years, as I said, just because I'm, it's work for me now. Is what's like when I hear worship music, I go, "Oh, I'm probably gonna have to learn this. It's a new song and it's good." <laughs> so, oceans, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, but once in a while, I can get out of the moment. And I, he, this ten thousand reasons is a good example. We do that song a lot here. That was being done before I got here, and. I was glad to be able to walk in uh, to a new parish where, and I went, oh, a song that I'm familiar with is great. So uh, that song was profound for me. Like I just had a moment right after my dad died um, where I was going down, I was just driving. And that song came on, heard it a thousand times, played it a thousand times, sung it a thousand times. And uh, I'm driving down the street and all of a sudden the lyric just hits me in a totally new and different way. 
that that last verse about um, um, the next life kind of verse, and and it just hit me, and that was it. Broke me in the street, had to pull over the whole deal, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that like those experiences with music for me is is when there's like a, that's when it becomes spiritual. It's like okay, this is something beyond my telling or my reach or or anything that I could have done to um, experience this song. It's just the Lord moving through the song uh, and and reaching to, reaching me for some reason. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and I think really that's the purpose of music in liturgy. That's the purpose of music in worship is like for God to be able to use those songs to, to reach into the hearts of who we are, again, from gathering, um, through all like through the Gloria, like that's that song is a beautiful song of praise to God the whole way through it, you know, and it's wordy and it's there's a lot of lyrics in there, but but it's all filled with richness and the tradition of the church, you know. Yeah, I always say the Gloria is like a machine gun of praise, like it's just like <laughs> you're holy, you're wonderful, you're great, you're fantastic, I like your haircut, God, you're awesome. <laughs> like it's just so many praises, all like just in the new, like the from the third Roman Missal, right? Like there's so many. <laughs> Maybe not those, but it's so many that are just stacked up. And I, and I always use the Gloria to teach people how to pray because so many people don't know how to do prayers of praise. We only know how to ask for stuff like, dear God, fix my life, fix my car. Especially as Catholics. Yeah. And so it's like, don't just ask for stuff. It's fine to ask for stuff. But make sure you're doing things like, oh, I don't know, telling God how wonderful he is tonight. Um, it was an allusion to my earlier comment. Uh, but really, at its core, praise and adoration is prayer that honors God for who he is. Thanksgiving honors God for what he's done, right? Repentance <laughs> owns up to what I've failed to do, right? And um, prayers of petition is what I need, right? So when you begin to look at all of these, you see the prayers. Can we, can we get those four on the screen, Jay? Yeah. Those yeah, four. We got Because somebody's going to want to take a note. Yeah. yeah, and you can find them all in the catechism, fourth part of the catechism. But the idea is this is all incorporated throughout the Mass. Yeah. Every type of prayer is incorporated throughout the Mass. And the Gloria is a wonderful prayer of, of praise and exaltation to God. The holy, holy, holy. What are you doing? Holy, 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 That's Lord when the God. angels come down, right? Yeah, and you have this. You hear it both in Isaiah and in the book of Revelation. This whole notion of when God's throne room is open, it's a sanctuary. It's not just, hey, I'm all powerful. It's there's this holy thing here. A, temp, uh, a tabernacle made not with human hands, right? Like in the inner court of God, angels and archangels are singing round about the throne, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And it's amazing that when we gather round the throne of God, just like the book of Revelation, what are we doing? Like, so for instance, I teach this group of Protestants who are becoming Catholic, inclusion, shout out. And they're really great people, but some of them are like, I love the idea of the Eucharist, the theology of the Eucharist, I don't get the mass. I get my non-denom service where we, you know, sing some songs, say some prayers, and then hear a biblical teaching. But the stance at Neil, I pulled a hammy, like what's going on here? And so I read to them. I just have like read uh, Revelation chapters like four, five, and six. You're seeing men in white robes officiating. You're seeing incense. You're seeing bells. You're seeing scrolls being read. You're seeing angels and saints 
praising God, and right in the middle is an altar, and on top of the altar is the lamb standing as though he'd been slain. So you have the sacramental, you have the altar, the sacrifice, right? Sacramental, sacrificial, angels and saints, the communion of the church, all of this stuff, that's in the book of Revelation. That's what the mass is meant to mm. unfold. If you've ever read Dr. Hahn's The Lamb Supper, that's the whole point of the book is this is heaven on earth. So, of course, in the liturgy, we sing hymns that the angels sing. And this is the coolest thing. Angels, according to the theology of St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, angels don't speak. When they speak, they sing. Right? So, mm, when so they reveal like the Annunciation. Them, yes, the Annunciation, when they reveal themselves to the shepherds yeah. um, at the birth of Christ. Um, all, all the, you know, all the image in, uh, in the prophets of them singing before the throne, right? It's this constant notion of, like, the angels don't speak, they sing. They tell out... The, glory the, of the more I am reminded of like angelology, I'm just so glad about the new name of our our new chapel, Our Lady of the Angels. I think it's beautiful. So, mm. side note, that's that's all I have to say about Los that. Angeles. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Anyways, I just totally derailed your beautiful theological discourse, but I'm kind of proud I did it just because it was you. <laughs> you are selling a building. Church slash Horizon. You can make a donation. Yeah. Let's go back to this. What does God's haircut look like? Is it? Are we talking John mullet, Stamos? Mullet, mullet. Hands on a mullet. Are we talking Patrick Dempsey? You mentioned that you liked God's haircut, and yeah. I'd like to know. Yeah, no, straight bowl cut. Bowl cut. God, God is very simple. He's economical. Aww. He's like, Mama, put the bowl on the head. Just do a quick trim. Aww. They see me bowling. <laughs> they hate Like, them. that really, that... If I get to heaven and that's God's haircut, I'm going to be extremely upset. <laughs> God, oh, I love you, holy, holy. No. Oh, so you're you're hugging Jesus. I you? hope I hope that he brings back the Jimmy Neutron that was popular like ten years ago. Little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want that. Or maybe the Superman with a little curl right in the middle of the forehead. No. I get it. I get it. No. Hey, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I noticed at Sumville, Florida, wearing masks, walking around, people recognize me. And the whole time, I'm like. I have a mask covering three-fourths of my ginormous head. It's the beard. No, I even had that covered. Clearly, Clark Kent's glasses don't count. They don't count. No one's hiding. He ain't fooling no one. It's impossible to hide your beard with a mask. That's a good point. It's impossible. How dare dare you? Yeah. How dare you? So how awesome (laughs) is this episode? Am I right? It's a good one. (laughs) This is a good one. To wrap this up. uh, Please smack more into the microphone. (laughs) Uh, what uh, what should I be listening to musically for my prayer? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Recommendation and, and difficult to say. I think for everybody, you know, for you, Stephen Linehan. Oh, um, oh, oh, this is like this is fun. This is custom. like yeah. Let's see how well you know me. <laughs> uh, well, there's some there's some good stuff right now uh, that I'm listening to uh, from uh, Pat Barrett and from Leland Mooring. Leland's got a relatively new album out that i just i'm just loving and there's a there's a lot of stuff in there this is all contemporary music by the way um oh, you don't know me but <laughs> <laughs> he likes the classics from yes, the 1980s if it's not blondie Ooh, he, he doesn't need it the, he does not like that <laughs> he likes the marty haugen then yeah. No. Should we go that direction? No, no? absolutely not. Gather us in the rich and the hearty. Yeah. No. That's a Marty hit. It's oh, a well. terrible song, it and is. it's heretical. It's filled with is heresy. It? Is it? Oh, See, not in it. some heaven light years away. What are we, Mormon all of a sudden? Oh. God lives in a, in a galaxy. That, oh, it's in the Andromeda galaxy. Well, maybe he was in the Star Wars when he wrote it. <laughs> mm. Not in a galaxy far, far away. 
<laughs> Interesting. Wait, hold on. Do you get the lyric of that? Now. Wait, Bishop Barron wait. has a whole thing. He's like, there's no less than six heresies in this. Time song. out. Let's not worry about my what you think I should be listening to. <laughs> okay. Really quick, what other songs do you have grievances about because of their theological crappiness? Oh, there's a song actually that I love uh, in Christ alone. Straight Calvinist theology should oh. not be played in a Catholic church. But really. I love it. In Christ alone. Yeah, that one. No, but it was all about the uh, in his whatever the or on the cross the wrath of God was satisfied, right? Ooh, yeah, that's as if so. So there is here's just a, a historical side note. When the Protestant Reformation occurred, Martin Luther created a theory. We, we were going to end this episode, of, but keep going. This uh, is enjoyable. A theory of atonement, like what Jesus's death accomplished and how did it accomplish? His theory of atonement was called penal substitutionary atonement. It was based on the theology of St. Anselm, substitutionary atonement, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to know all this. Basically, it's like this. You're guilty. Christ is perfectly innocent. God is going to kill you. Jesus said, nope, I did it. So God kills Jesus instead. Penal substitutionary atonement. That, yeah, that doesn't match up with the catechism. That, so that, now there, if you go up and if you go into the first part of the catechism, you or, look or scripture up for on, that matter. Yeah, if you look up. <laughs> The um, Jesus Christ died for our sins. You read that article on there. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. There is an article on substitutionary atonement because it comes from Isaiah 53, right? Like, um, by his stripes, we are healed. You know, all that stuff from the beautiful Isaiah. And I can't remember any of the other stuff. But um, this whole notion of, like, Christ paid the debt, right? Awesome. That's part of Catholic theology. Substitution is a part of our theology. The penal substitutionary atonement, many of the ways that it's passed in in uh Protestant American fundamentalists and evangelical circles is God the Father poured out all of his violence on his son so that he wouldn't pour it out on you. And he exchanged your identities. And you can hear this when people say... If that were the case, like then the Holy Spirit would cease to exist. Well, so... Right? Well, the, the problem is it condones, it theologizes violence mm. in a very bizarre way. That's actually very true. There's these uh, African Christians, they were at this committee and they were like, if God used violence on Jesus, surely we can use violence on our enemies. And it's like, whoa, whoa. So the the idea of Jesus Christ, like God the Father, killing his son because of your sin, and he wrote his name on your sin, falls short of the idea of Christ taking on the wrath of God because the wrath of God was revealed against Israel through these covenant curses because of their lawlessness. So he took on the covenant curses so that he could break the curses and bring blessing. But in doing that, he brought blessing to the Gentiles as well. It's not like God is, you know, committing acts of violence against Jesus. The Romans did right. that, you know. So it, it, it's so a no, little so tricky. The, and that song was, which, which song is that? In Christ, Christ alone. alone. Which we have oh, done. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say No, I love that song. I love that yeah. song. But, but stop too. playing it. No, but just don't do verse two. Just skip the verse three. <laughs> so but what, what's interesting, though, so are you saying it's a difference between, like, the, the wrath of God, an angry God taking it out on his son, mm-hmm. But instead of that, rather uh, a God who is uh, sad and even woeful that his son is experiencing what he's experiencing. So there are clear times in sacred scripture when the wrath of God, uh, that we are delivered from the wrath of God by the death of Jesus Christ. Clearly. Um, But that's eternal damnation. That's not what the father did to the son, Mm -hmm. right? He didn't beat him up and kill him so that he won't have to beat you up and kill you, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a, a, a problem with sacrificial atonement theories that have that position. So the church, ever since Council of Trent, has absolutely unequivocally condemned penal substitutionary atonement, but still there is an element of substitution. So there is this element that 
I mean, obviously, he died for you. In Galatians chapter 2, he loved me and gave himself for me, right? That's the reality of the gift. There's just a little nuance there he that sometimes that song doesn't punishment, yeah. in other words. Yeah. I got a beard hair in my mouth. Gosh. Gross. Yeah. Keep gross. that in. Keep that in. Uh, well, this has been an excellent episode today. <laughs> <laughs> we, we come so close to making a good point. And yeah. Then, that's okay. Then I get a beard hair in my mouth. <laughs> well, we'll just let people, uh, you know, take it how they want. Yeah. So, any, other, any other grievances you want to air on... Uh, uh, pieces flowing like a river. It's just awful. It sticks in your head for days. Yeah. Uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That is the anthem of our generation. Um, <laughs> <let me see>. <laughs> <laughs> On it... Eagle's Wings, perfect. Ooh. Never has there ever been a better song. Just kidding. I'm lying about everything I'm saying. Wow. wow. There's yeah, going to be some know, people I... that are going to have a grievance with you. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. You don't have any musical taste. It's fine. It takes something <laughs> to cultivate. You don't understand. I want all of my music to be in pig Latin from beginning to end yeah. with an oboe. I, I just don't. Well, the the things you. that I can't stand are like hokey, yeah. hokey songs in the liturgy especially. Like, I don't. It's not that, like, I always have to be listening to Latin, although that's okay. I just don't. Like, I want whether it's contemporary or traditional or somewhere in between, it just can't be hokey. And and that's the thing that, like, so many uh, styles of liturgical worship um, or mu- liturgical music, I feel like, in the, in the 80s and 90s kind of, you know, in an effort to be relevant, we're kind of doing. And, you know, it's Anything fine. Anything like Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has a rap song at one point. More than one, I think. Yeah. Carmen. More right. than one. I have nothing else to contribute to this. I'm because I'm not. I'm not really a musical person. I just. When was the last just, time you danced, Stephen? Oh, I'm not going to admit that to you. <laughs> At the ordination. I was say it may have been sooner than you think. <laughs> so. Uh, no, I've uh, danced. Like danced. Like uh, dance like no one was watching. Ooh. When was the last time you danced like no one was watching? Uh, Josh, what about you? Probably What's within the-, the last week because because sometimes I'll dance with my boys in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, because because AJ loves to turn on music House through Alexa. Yeah, okay. well, I don't know if it's yeah. I guess it kind of is. He'll like screwed and chopped Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that is an improvement. No, he'll play like the he'll play like Beethoven. the soundtrack from the movie Cars, mm. and and we'll just goof around. Get so. the Rascal Flat song. Yeah, uh, actually, highway. actually, more of the of the soundtracks from that are from. Um, not not Dirk Spindley, who's the other guy. Oh man, I really don't. Um, know. The other country, Brad yeah. Paisley. Brad, Brad Paisley, Paisley did a lot of the songs on the car soundtrack. God bless yeah. the broken mm-hmm. road. The yeah, he doesn't sing. In, he yeah, does, Flats has a He doesn't of sing in all of them, I think, but I think he wrote some of them and like plays them. All right, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this pointless episode of Beyond the Bulletin. This powerful episode of Beyond the Bulletin was brought to you by. Josh, it's Josh Blakesley music. <laughs> Josh Blakesley music. Josh Blakesley music. What's your website? OCP. <laughs> What's your website, Josh? Josh, Josh Blakesley.com. That's Josh Blakesley music. Dot org. Like yeah. There you go. Dot go. Prethoughts.com. God bless everyone. Bye. Goodbye.